0: I want to read tonight, first of all, in Psalm number 32, Psalm number 32, please. (coughs) If you want to open that window, Donald, I'll I'll not say no. (coughs) Psalm number 32 and verse 1. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is No guile. And then this time to the Proverbs and uh, chapter 18. The book of Proverbs and chapter 18 and down to verse 24, the last verse, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. It says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And then finally to the book of the Revelation and chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 And verse number 23, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 23, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And verse number (coughs) 3, and there shall be verse 3 of chapter 22, (coughs) And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, that's all we just want to read with the Lord's blessing. I want you to think tonight, first of all, from Psalm number 32, that I would entitle us a forgiveness and its happiness. That David said, blessed or the word is happy, is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So the thought of a forgiveness and its happiness. And then we have a friend and his nearness from the Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 where it says, And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And then thirdly, from the revelation, to think of a future and its brightness. John, in describing that city, the New Jerusalem, that he saw coming down from God out of heaven, that they need no light of the sun or the moon to lighten it, for the lamb is the light thereof, and the glory of God doth lighten it. And so there is a future and its brightness. Forgiveness, of course, is a great theme through our Bible. And the reality of knowing one's sins forgiven you see, the, re- the truth is that we begin life in our sins. That's a simple, basic, fundamental fact of the gospel. That we were all born with the problem of sin. Now, people begin life in all different types of circumstances. You know, there are some who begin life in the midst of great comfort and wealth and affluence, in palaces and palatial homes. And then there's the other extreme. There's those that begin life in rank and terrible poverty and hopelessness and the rest somewhere in between. But the reality is, you see, that we all begin life as such in different circumstances and different surroundings. But the Bible makes it clear that in relation to our state before God, that we all begin in our sins. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter how high in society or how low and all in between, the reality is that David the psalmist spoke again in Psalm 51. And he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. The reality of the ruin of sin. The beginning in our sins. Now, not only that, but the Bible reminds us of the barrier of our sins. That sin is a barrier to heaven and to God. There are two things that can never dwell together. Sin and God can never dwell together. The Bible speaks about the God of heaven who is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. The Bible speaks of him as dwelling in light unapproachable. None of us tonight can really comprehend the holiness, and the purity of God. And so sin is a barrier. Now when you go back to Eden's garden, that garden of delight, and when sin entered, that first sin of disobedience, as our Bible says, by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. And in our first parents that sinned in Eden's garden, they were put out of that garden. And to the east of that garden, there was a cherubim that was placed and a flaming sword that turned every way. To keep the way of the tree of life. They were barred because of sin. They were put out and they were kept out. Sin, a barrier. Now, where we have read tonight in Revelation chapter 21, we didn't read the verse, but in verse 27 of that chapter, it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And there, there is the reality that sin bars that new Jerusalem, that holy city, the details of it that are given in chapter 21. That city of splendor, of beauty, of greatness. But not a sin or stain will ever enter. The barrier of sin. Sin bars men from God's heaven. For all eternity you know as I thought about that again Isaiah said behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot hear that that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear he says but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from him that he will not hear sin is a barrier when adam sinned in eden's garden he lost union with god the man that walked with god in the garden in the cool of the day he's hiding from god he lost the union and he lost the communion And sin came in as a barrier, and sin is still a barrier. And unforgiven sin, my, will keep a person out of heaven forever. So you've got the beginning in our sins. And you've got the barrier of our sins. But tonight, I I, I dare not go any further without telling you about the bearer of our sins. That there was one, Peter says, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. You know, tonight when you think of it, sin is a barrier to God and to heaven. And sin will bring souls down, unforgiven, my to eternal ruin. And the question must be asked: how can man, who is born in sin and the barrier of sin, how can he ever be brought into God's heaven forever? And of course tonight the answers in the cross, the answers in the death of Christ in the sacrifice of Calvary. As I quote again what Peter said, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Well, you know, the Lord Jesus, he did not sin. And he would not sin. And he could not sin. But he could do something in relation to sin that no one else could ever do. He could bear sin. You see, it's going to take a sinless man to bear the sin of sinful men and women. And oh, the wonder of God's provision in his own son, Sending him into this world, the marvel of incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us, taking a body to do the will of God. And the will of God was the work of Calvary. And the work of Calvary tonight is the way of salvation. And there on the cross, the Lord Jesus became answerable for sin. And we've got to remind ourselves of it again and again. That the judgment that was due to my sin and to your sin, He bore on the cross. We can never estimate or calculate the awful depths of suffering. It is only God who could measure that. You know, sometimes we sing all my sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him. And believing I am free. And the reality is tonight that Isaiah says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And then he says the Lord, that's Jehovah God, hath laid on him his Son, the Lamb of God, the iniquity of us all all my iniquities on him were laid we sing he bore them all on the tree. jesus the debt of my sin fully paid he paid the ransom for me thank god tonight for the bearer of sin my this evening that's why there's a gospel to preach that's why there's a salvation on offer that's why tonight sinners can be forgiven and be freed from their sins and be fitted for heaven because a Savior has taken our place, has borne the judgment due to your sin and mine, and he satisfied the throne of God. That's a big thing, isn't it? <clears throat> you see, the throne of God was outraged because of sin, but the Lord Jesus, my, he made peace through the blood of his cross. And the greatness of Calvary, my, and the wonder of his work upon the tree. He has satisfied the throne of God, and by that tonight, He can save sinners who come in repentance. Now, the beginning in our sins and the barrier of our sins and the bearer of our sins. But you know, the burden of our sins. It's a great thing, you know, when a person realizes their need as a sinner, when sin becomes a burden, when they realize that as they are and as they live and in the condition they are, they're not right with God or ready for heaven and the reality is that their sin is brought before them. We speak about the conviction of sin. My, that becomes a burden. A burden to get rid of. Well, isn't it a good thing when a person realizes, I want to get rid of my sins, of the burden of my sins. My, sometimes we sing, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Oh, tonight, what a burden. What a great thing it is, when the burden of sin is gone. Wasn't it in Pilgrim's Progress, when that man got to the hell and got to the cross and the burden rolled from his shoulders and rolled away? It's a great thing tonight, when a person realising my the burden of their sin that they come to one who can take it all away. He took my sins away, the hymn writer said, he took my sins away. I was thinking of the publican who stood and prayed in the temple afar off and wouldn't lift up so much as his eyes to heaven but smote upon his breast and he said god be merciful to me a sinner you know that man he had the burden of sin oh the the pharisee you know he stood and he prayed thus with himself God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, he says, or even as this publican. He says, I I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He was really exalting himself and what he was and how great he was. But the publican, My, he wanted rid of the burden of a sin. And he cried, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, let me just mention tonight from Psalm 32. There is the blessing of our sins forgiven. You see, David said, blessed or happy is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Oh, I'll tell you, it's a great thing tonight, isn't it? To know that your sins are gone, that the very thing that would bar me out of heaven and the very thing that would bring me down to hell is gone forever. That the very thing, my, that would close heaven's doors to me is gone. Gone, 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 we sing. Gone, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. A forgiveness and its happiness, (coughs) a friend and his nearness. The Proverbs says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. What a friend. You know, I often say that the night that I got saved I not only got a savior for my soul but I got a friend for life, a friend, a close friend, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, there was a man said to me one day, he said, you know, (coughs) A person could have many acquaintances, but few friends. There's a lot of truth in that. Many acquaintances could know a lot of people, acquainted with a lot of people, but few friends. You know, the Bible says, acquaint know thyself with him and be at peace. It's great tonight to have a friend. The little line of the hymn I was thinking about where the hymn writer said, I have a friend that will stand by me when the pearly gates unfold. A close friend. But then the Bible would tell us that he's a constant friend. Again, the proverb says, a friend that loveth at all times. How good that is. A friend that loveth at all times. We were singing tonight, I have a friend, a precious friend. Oh, how he loves me. What a blessed thought tonight. One who will never desert to your foes, one tonight who will be with you, that's the Savior that we present tonight, one, my, that will never leave nor forsake the goodness, the faithfulness of God. You know, I often tell the story of the man that drove into the farmyard And he had never been there before in this farm, a stranger. And he noticed on top of the barn there was a weather vane that was moving about a little in the wind. But written at the bottom of the weather vane was the words God is faithful. God is faithful. And he was looking at this with some curiosity and wondering when, of course, the farmer came along and the man said to the farmer, I was just looking at your weather vane there on top of the barn and (coughs) reading those words, God is faithful. And he said to the farmer, does that mean that God is faithful when the wind is blowing a certain way. Oh, no, the farmer said. He said, God is faithful no matter what way the wind's blowing. That's true, isn't it, tonight? God is faithful no matter what way the wind is blowing. You see, a close friend, A constant friend, a friend that loveth at all times, a, a caring friend. Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for thee. I wonder sometimes when he was writing that, was he thinking of that day in the storm on the lake? of the Sea of Galilee and Peter with the other disciples, he said, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? You know, Peter was to learn that even in the greatest storm, in the worst storm that they had ever witnessed, that there was one who cared. And Peter writing these words all these years later to these Christians who are passing through trial and trouble and anxiety and danger, persecuted saints, he says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Well, a friend and his nearness, a close friend, a constant friend, a caring friend, a compassionate friend. I was thinking of the two on the road to a mess as they went and were sad and Jesus himself drew near. And went with him. Oh, you know, their hearts were heavy, their hearts were sore. They were going away from Jerusalem, and what had happened and what had taken place. Oh as they spoke to this stranger as they thought you know they said art thou only a stranger here in jerusalem and knowest not these things that are come to pass well the fact was you know that in a deeper sense he was a stranger as regards this world and as regards this world tonight Every believer, we are all strangers. Peter says, We're strangers and pilgrims. We're only passing through. Art thou only a stranger here and knowest not the things that have happened these days in Jerusalem? Well, he drew near. He went with them. He opened to them the scriptures. What a day it was. What a friend. You know, he's a coming friend. He's coming again. Jesus is coming. Sing the glad word. Coming for those he's redeemed by his blood. Coming to reign as the glorified Lord. Jesus is coming. Again, what a friend. But I want to think just for a few minutes tonight of a future and its brightness. A forgiveness (coughs) and its happiness, Psalm 32. A friend and his nearness, Proverbs 18 and 24. But a future and its brightness. You know, you look out into this world tonight, and you must admit that things are not that bright, and things are not that wonderful, and the happenings and the uncertainty, and the Brexit that has just taken place as such, and the uncertainty of people and what they may wonder what will happen or what is going to happen. And in ascension, oh, there's not a lot of brightness as regards this whole world. This whole world is a dark place, spiritually. There's one who is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. But I'll tell you this tonight, for everyone that's been forgiven and for everyone that has this friend, there is a future that's bright. A future and its brightness. The future tonight for the people of God could not be brighter, could not be better. John in the book of the Revelation, and I, John, he said, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. As our bride prepared, adorned for her husband. That, That city, what a city. We have read it tonight. They lead no light of the sun nor the moon. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. You know, in that scene that's coming, I just want to mention these few things tonight where John says, there shall be no more curse. That's perfect sinlessness. There shall be no more curse. He says, the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. That's perfect government. Then he says, his servants shall serve him. That's perfect service. They shall see his face. Perfect vision. His name shall be in their foreheads. Perfect resemblance. There shall be no night there. Perfect blessedness. And then the seventh one, he says, they shall reign forever and ever. Perfect glory. Oh, listen tonight. How bright that blessed hope. Jesus will come. Let us our heads lift up. Jesus will come. Morning so bright and clear. Mansions of God appear. Sin shall not enter there. Jesus shall come. My tonight, there is a future that's bright. If there's a soul here tonight and you've never experienced forgiveness, and you don't know this friend, ah, that you'd get to know him tonight and the future would be bright and blessed for all eternity. Shall we pray? Lord, we bow before thee and we give thee thanks for the scriptures that we have read. We thank thee for the great truth of them And we're glad tonight that many of us can testify that we are just forgiven sinners. And we're glad tonight to know the forgiveness of sins, to have found a friend in Jesus, and to have a future that's bright and glorious. We just commend thy word to thee and everyone that's gathered, and pray that thou wouldst take all home and safely, in safety, and bless during this week in thy will, that the Lord might be exalted and extolled for his name's sake. Amen.